You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. What is the Matrix Resurrections? Well, we'll tell you some of it. We're not going to tell you everything. What do you think this is? A spoiler site? Jesus. The Matrix. Nostalgia. In action. Love kills a demon. (laughs) (laughs) You keep going with the love kills a demon, and that's going to make me laugh every single time. I was both dreading and looking forward to there being another Matrix film, because I think the first Matrix was a groundbreaking sci-fi film that just changed the industry. It changed effects. It changed the way you do soundtracks, for God's sake. It gave us Keanu the action star. We already knew Keanu was great. We just didn't know how great. Keanu was born action. Yes, he was. And, and you Zen, haven't seen Point Break for a while, time. clearly. There's some serious action in that movie. Ah, I just remember shooting your gun up in the air and screaming, Arg! <laughs> you remember that more because of Hot Fuzz than you do because of Point Break. I know. That's Ben. Hi, yeah. Ben. Hi. Also joining me are... I'm Danny Danger. And I'm Santi. Yeah. So excited in one level for a new one, even though famously it is largely agreed upon almost overwhelmingly agreed upon that the two Matrix sequels are nowhere near as good as the first one. Whether you think they're bad movies or not is another discussion. I mean, it's like making sequels to Casablanca. It's just not going to work as well. <laughs> Thank God no one did that, that I'm aware of. There was a book. Anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> I gave it to Dad for Christmas once, and he was like, that was terrible. Never do that again. <laughs> that with John Wick. I mean Keanu. I mean Neo. <laughs> I thought there were some interesting ideas in there. They just kind of overcomplicated things. The fight scenes that are really cool suddenly stop dead for exposition and long-winded philosophical discussions. You're like, this is not working as well as the first one, which took a very simple idea and blew your mind with it and really just kind of kept it relatively simple. It's like, this is one cool idea that you You've never seen before in film that the execution around it is just peerless. So, Chris, you're saying it's not as good as half the stuff they showed us on screen. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> anyway, so after all these years, only Lana Wachowski, her sister, declined to become involved in this particular project, decided that, OK, fine, Warner Brothers, I'm tired of you driving dump trucks of money up to my house. I will, in fact, make another goddamn Matrix film. And she said not one year has gone by since the last Matrix film that they haven't come and said, here's a giant blank check, make another Matrix film. And they've said, no, we're not going to do that. But she had a tragedy in her life. And she said that through that, she kind of wanted to revisit some old characters, old friends in this case. She's talking about Keanu Reeves as Thomas Anderson slash Neo and Carrie Ann Moss as Tiffany slash Trinity. Well, sorry, just Trinity. Anyway, just if here's the deal, though. Didn't Neo die in that last Matrix film? So how do you make another Matrix film with Keanu Reeves returning as that character? Well, you get pretty goddamn meta about it is how you do it. I, I don't recall him actually necessarily dying. They leave that ambiguous. The Trinity was dead as hell. No, I mean, they decidedly killed them. Like, they died for sure. They did the martyr thing. They were like, oh, yes, they have to die for the world to be saved. Resurrection. It's pretty wow. definitively dead in the end of that film. And oh. this film casts no doubt about that. They was dead. Right. So why are we now seeing a world where 
Keanu Reeves is once again a computer programmer <laughs> who has no idea what the Matrix is in terms of reality, but for him, it's a really successful trilogy of games that he made for Warner Brothers that he programmed and even has action figures of Trinity and the spider robots and all that stuff. And he's a lot like Neo in the first one. He's kind of aimless. He doesn't really know where his life is going or what's going to make him happy. But his boss, Jonathan Groff, who he doesn't get along with very well, says, here's the deal. Uh, stop what you're doing. We're making another Matrix game. Sorry. Warner Brothers says you have to make more Matrix. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) And there's a lot of meta discussion about, well, how do you even make a sequel to that? Because in the context of this film, the trilogy of games have the same plot and the same things that happen in the three films that we saw before. So everyone here is aware of all the elements of that story and the way it played out. They're just for them. It's fictional. But of course, there's something else going on. And it starts, the movie literally starts with the something else as we see a new character played by Jessica Henwick as Bugs which I don't know if it's a nod or not to Warner Brothers also doing Space Jam recently, but I suspect it is. I don't think it is. You don't think so? No, I think it's more of a Wachowski thing because Bug is actually the name of a character from Sense8. Oh, And I will go, go on about how much of this movie had Sense8 in it when that oh, time certainly. is appropriate. Certainly. But I think that's more of a call out to Bugs that. Bugs does introduce herself as Bugs, like Bunny. So I thought that was maybe a nod. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wouldn't, with Warner Bros, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, no, you got to guard Bugs because we're also trying to promote Space Jam 2. Which also was very mad about Warner Brothers. <laughs> was, I didn't see it. And that was on purpose, Ben. Anyway. I had to review it for you. <laughs> I know. I made you go see it. So... We see her character, and she's in the Matrix, but she's watching the scenes from the first film, the opening of the first film, only now there's somebody else doing it, but doing it almost exactly like they did in the first film. And there, she and another member of her crew are like, what is going on here? Why is this here? What is happening? And there's a lot of computer talk and tech talk, like, that you're not really sure what's exactly is happening here. Like an original and, of the original Star Trek. And she ends up encountering, and this is like first 10 minutes of the film, people, so these aren't spoilers. She ends up encountering a agent who comes after her, played by Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, who suddenly changes mind, grabs her, throws her through like a, a magic matrix doorway and goes like, here's the deal. I am, in fact, a computer program, but um, I am uh, like, I think I might be Morpheus. I mean, and we're like, wait, what? So she accepts this very easily, (laughs) and the plan becomes, as near as you can tell, Neo is actually alive somehow, somewhere the machines have got him in the real world. As far as he's concerned, he's trapped in the Matrix, but he's having dreams and hallucinations and and things that make him think, well, this can't possibly be real. I made a game about this. I don't actually believe that the Matrix is a real thing, but... His doctor, Neil Patrick Harris, keeps giving him those bottles of blue pills to take to feel better. What will happen? Well, I don't want to tell you too much, but suffice it to say, (laughs) eventually Neo does, in fact, come back to the real world and the movie continues on from there. So we'll get a little bit into more tonal discussion or like what we liked and what we didn't without being overly specific about the elements of what did and did not happen. But to say there's a lot to spoil here is putting it mildly because this is 95% exposition. Every scene is like, before we fight, let me talk to you for 10 minutes and try and explain some backstory that makes some degree of sense of why this is happening at all. Every scene of this movie is like, hey, you guys like that Mergovinian scene in that other sequel, right? Where they just talk for like 20 minutes. Let's do that, but with less visuals going on during it. Because that one at least had the whole thing where he 
gives that lady a laced cocktail and they show that visually. This is like, no, we're just going to stand around and deliver that whole monologue, though. It's going to be just as interesting, right? Yes. <laughs> I think there was a disconnect between like what is meta and what is just derivative. I even feel like there was some attempts at camp. Yes. Especially in the beginning and especially with Morpheus, who I love, by the way, oh, so um, just good. hands yeah. down. I think there was a lot of blurred lines there and a lot of the things that I think they thought would be meta were actually just came off as derivative. I appreciated what the spirit of what was trying to be done, but there was a lot of it that didn't land. And especially when you have something as like precise as the first Matrix that you are literally paralleling by putting it on a screen on a screen. <laughs> it needed to be precise or it needed to not be done. And it's not precise. It's kind of weirdly sloppy throughout in that it feels like they are arguing in the first act about here's how we can't do a Matrix sequel, a fourth film, because it would, this is what some people still want this, but other people say that wouldn't work. And they get all these arguments about it. And then they proceed to kind of fall into a lot of the traps they've already called out for themselves that fans did as well, saying, I really hope they don't do this in this movie. They kind of do all the stuff they say you shouldn't do that well, in the beginning. And then they do it in such a way that they, I, I mean, there's a point I was like, is this movie going to be four hours long? Because they're like, way past the halfway point and you're just getting started with the adventures against the machines and I'm like there is so much left to explain here well I do think they accidentally just found themselves you know breaking through the fourth wall and then find themselves right back where they started and from then on it was a bit of a smash and grab job in every regard it seems like the story even fell through halfway through because they didn't know necessarily where to take it without really following that path. And guess what? They ended up right back where they started, just like they thought that they would. It seemed like a bit of a rope-a-dope. You cannot over-say what Danny was saying about they show you the other movie right there on the screen. Legitimately, <laughs> for periods of the movie, they are showing, almost scene for scene, the original Matrix. In some points, it works in the first half, where it's like, there's good reason for it that it's parallel and shown also two characters parallel. But then later in the movie... It's just doing it to do it. Later yeah. in the movie, it's just <laughs> giving us joke. it only yeah, for they, us. And if they would have gone campy with that joke, like just a little campier, if they would have kept that spirit up, then it absolutely would have worked. I just think it couldn't really pick a tone or a lane. And also, like, if you're going to interrupt these incredible fight scenes with this philosophical conjecture, I need those fight scenes to be as sensory stimulating as the first movie. And yeah. they just were not. And that killed me because you can rewatch the first movie on the tiniest screen and you still feel like you can reach out and touch it. Yeah. And you still feel like the sound makes movement. And this movie doesn't have any of that, which is a real bummer because when you consider the tech that we have available to us now, there's literally no excuse. Now, outside of the story from the first film, which is, I wouldn't call it super original. It's Philip K. Dick, but the best it's ever been executed on film in a really wow way. The other things that brought people to it were the tech, which was so groundbreaking, like just bullet time alone. And that was just one aspect was like, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. And the fighting, which was all choreographed by Yuan Wu Ping, literally the greatest fight choreographer in the entire world, who uh, did most of Jackie Chan's and Jet Li's films and what have you, and was shot exquisitely well. This one has really kind of bad fight choreography and it's shot super sloppy. It's edited to where you can't tell what's going on. And the third thing it had was this amazingly rocking kick-ass soundtrack. And this, I couldn't 
tell you one moment where I was listening to the song and went, oh, wow, that's a cool song. This movie needs more trip hop. <laughs> There's also nothing visually stunning really at all in this movie. There's a few scenes where it's, oh, that looks good. There's an okay montage when they're trying to explain where Neo is, at least, that I yeah. think is actually done really well. Like, parts of the first half of this movie are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just how they lose that. But, like, the fight scenes... They feel really dull. Uh, we had a discussion after the movie about whether this was the theater or not, that the, some of the dark scenes look so grainy, they look like I shot it on my digital camera. <laughs> you guys have a giant sensor in these things. How is your ISO that bad that it's that grainy in a dark scene? Maybe it's the theater, but some other scenes that they were pulling from the original Matrix that it was dark actually look better, in my opinion. And it constantly suffers from the rubber character effect, where you're like, oh, that's a CG character. And you know immediately, in parts where there's absolutely no reason it should be that bad. In general, like, things just... Even compared to the first film, there's some of the effects of the robots and stuff. They don't look as good here. How Mm -hmm. is that? In the first fight scene, they recreate Trinity's initial scene from the first movie. Nowhere more does it stand out how different it looks because they're literally recreating the same scene and not shooting as well. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just not as well done. Yeah. It hurts my heart. That was when I knew we were in trouble right there. I was like, uh Oh, I mean, maybe there's a good reason they're doing it this way, but I'm being hard pressed to think of it. Cause how do you fuck up shooting a scene you've already shot? (laughs) It seemed rushed. Maybe time, maybe COVID was a factor and I'm not trying to sympathize here, but I just feel like it happened a little too fast, even though the movie was quite long, but I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, they kind of rushed to a conclusion. There's an overly long chase sequence towards the end that does not really do anything visually either, but where it ends is supposed to be like a revelation, and then they cut even that short, where I'm like, did you run out of time? Because I feel like you're missing like a little bit of narrative that you needed from this scene. They try to do like the wrap-up at the end of the trilogy, but it's nowhere near as effective or as enjoyable. And it doesn't feel like they have a direction. The end of the trilogy got as philosophical as they always wanted to be in the matrix. They get no philosophy at the end of this movie. It feels like the like mocking philosophy in the matrix. You know, what made me laugh? I, I was thinking about this on the way home that this film, Carrie Ann Moss is indeed in this film. We barely talked about her, but she's also trapped in the matrix. The mystery is like, why are either one of them alive? What are they doing there? And why do they not know each other? Although they're like, you seem familiar, right? And at the crux, the film is counting on the importance of the chemistry between these two actors. It is literally the fulcrum the plot hangs on, and they share, like, two scenes together in the whole movie, really. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, what? I was just baffled, and it... falls. One of the most annoying things I think you could possibly do in a science fiction film, without saying it... It was, well, nothing beats the power of love. Louis <laughs> was smiling. Well, love kills a demon! <laughs> well, and the other thing is that, like, one-third of Carrie Ann Moss's time is spent totally still with Neil Patrick Harris overly explaining what straight, white, angry guys missed about the first <laughs> yeah, movie. Yes. Like, just really going hard on anti-capitalism, and I'm here for that, but There it had was, to be a better way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was so obvious. I hate that we're at a point where you feel like, as an artist, you have to hold everyone's hand and explain that. Three movies and what, 15, 20 years later? Yeah. They correctly casted Neil Patrick Harris because you just can't hate him even then when he says yeah. shitty things. He's like the only one who could have been sexist to carry in Moss and you're still like, all right, I don't hate Neil Patrick Harris still. Though. <laughs> yeah. He gets a lot of roles like that. And that yeah. just seemed like really out of left field. Through all of the first three movies, binary gender was not 
an issue that was ever really discussed. There was no man versus woman. Woman is different. The only thing that happens is when Neo is like, oh, Trinity, I thought you were a guy. That's it. That's all. And this movie, for some reason, just really needed to make this new guy running the Matrix a sexist. I don't know because reasons. I felt like Lana wanted to ultimately make this film because she was sick of people who she hates misinterpreting what the Matrix was about in the first place. And this is just a very long-winded explanation of that, ultimately. Which, like, yeah, you know, I got it the first time. time There's always going to be morons out there who are going to take whatever. They're going to take that blue pill every single time. Even though for them it's colored red. But I don't want to completely shit on this because there were things I liked about it. I thought Yahoo Abdul-Mateen is having a lot of fun as this sort of... He's not Morpheus. As I said, he is a computer agent, but he's kind of taken the identity of Morpheus in a way, and the relationship between humans and computers is different this many decades later. Uh, Jessica Henwick, just like she did on the crapulent Iron Fist, puts so much energy into this, you're like, you're one of the best things about this. Yeah, actually, I like her a lot. And also, Jonathan Groff, I don't want to spoil anything about his character because it's actually another boondoggle in this movie that will take way too much saying, us going, why was that not explained? This makes no sense. But he's giving it his all, and I think he's doing a really good job with it. Just, why are you doing this? I just wanted to see him sing the song from Hamilton. <laughs> and spit through his teeth. Yeah, yeah I really, really enjoyed the cast on this through and through you've got five yes i counted them i had my hand up in the theater counting five cast members from sense eight which is one of my favorite i will die for this show priyanka chopra jones right was one of them Mm -hmm. yeah so there's like a handful of people who came back from sense eight which i really enjoyed and i love the way that they engage with those characters you have so little time to invest in those characters and that was true of the first movie as well because you are dealing with a big team i really enjoyed seeing those characters and like they looked so rich and their few lines were pretty good i would have liked to have seen more of the team yeah the team was interesting looking what little lines they got i was like that's cool i kind of wish this movie had let this be more of an ensemble film about them yes and and neo and trinity rather than well here's eight billion other things happening so we can i don't know build whatever this ended up being the biggest problem was the return of jada pinkett smith as naomi who now is put in the worst old age makeup and she She's not pulling it off as an actress either. This is bad and annoying. And she was also one of the most annoying characters in the original series. Did she pull it off in the original? No. No. (laughs) The only time she was good as that character was in the video game where she didn't have to try to pull off the emotions on screen. And she's not a bad actress. She just never could play this character. Of everyone you would want to bring back, why would you bring one of the least popular characters in this series She's one of the few ones that said, yeah, that makes sense to make this movie. Uh, I guess. (laughs) I I don't know. I wanted to like this so much. I was really (laughs) loving... Just the idea of another Matrix that maybe can fix some of the things that didn't quite work in the second two sequels. All the fans are always like, why are you continuing the story? Like, and then this happened and this happened instead of like doing what the first film did and said, aha, you think you know what's actually going on and what the Matrix is, but maybe there's more to it than that. And they never do that. And guess what? They don't really do that here either. It's just another sequel in the series and the entirely overcomplex storytelling and way too much exposition. Only this time the fights aren't good. But let's go to final thoughts. Ben, get us started. Sure. I will say first, I won't talk about any of them because somebody might be happy to see them. There's a few other cameos. They're cameos you'd almost blink and miss mm. and add nothing to the story except for to say, hey, look, we got more people I know back. That's the best positive things I can say about this movie is, hey, there's faces you recognize. There's a good cast, as we've discussed, that it's fun. 
But honestly, there's like three better plots that they could have followed in this movie. The whole first half's interesting. We didn't even talk about it, but there's new characters that don't have speaking lines, but are parts of like, hey, Neo's impact on this universe and how it's supposed to have ended in the trilogy could have been a much more interesting story with characters they bring us. We still get nothing from them besides Morpheus. They are just characters for window dressing of scenes. Oh, yeah, here's that cool CGI thing we had into this scene and into this scene. It's like, no, these were unnecessary. And that's this movie. It's weird nostalgia blips of like, hey, I recognize that person. I recognize that scene. And then like, hey, that's a cool idea. And you don't care about that idea, do you? Nope, nope, (laughs) nope. And you do that for two and a half hours. I really wanted to like it. I really enjoyed the first idea guess 45 minutes basically until they go back into the matrix you have so much groundwork you can work with you didn't even have to get existential again for me to be interested just had to make your world interesting again and they kept dropping that ball i gotta give it four and a half out of ten not trinities (laughs) danny i think on the whole this is an enjoyable movie to go see for funsies i don't think it's going to reshape the way that you interact with the matrix or change or affect anything it's got its enjoyable moments but it's not going to be nearly as riveting as the first one all in all i think it was just a little bit too on the nose trying to sort of overcorrect some of the like social attitudes that have stuck around from the first movie there were a lot of opportunities for growth and excitement that sort of got swallowed up by this idea that somehow couple romance love is going to save the day. And that is kind of a garbage overuse of a plot line that I'm really sort of over. And I'm a little bummed to see the Matrix fall victim to that. But that having been said, just about anything in the world makes me happy that all of the incredible performers from Sense8 got to be on the big screen. So cast them in more stuff. And I give this movie four out of ten very obviously gay spaceship crew members. (laughs) Santi. The Matrix, I think, changed my world. It was one of the coolest trilogies of my, I think it was my adolescent phase, my formative years. I don't know. I sincerely was obsessed with the first movie. When the second one came out, I loved it just as much. When the third one came out, I loved all of them. I thought they were sincerely good. And I think Wachowski knew that. Nostalgia is heavy in this film, and it's really hard to get away from that. And I think that perhaps knew that recreating or maybe just making this world more interesting could have fell severely even more worse than it already did. And... The fact that that happened anyway is still disappointing. And maybe I can rewatch this one day and say, oh my God, the nostalgia has really hit me. But that's all that's going to happen. And that is definitely echoed in a lot of the, maybe they're nods, maybe they're Easter eggs. But there's a lot of references to a lot of things in the past that weren't necessarily like really well thought out. I'll leave it at that. I'm disappointed. I'm distraught. I'm going to give it three out of ten bad Rage Against the Machine covers. (laughs) You know, there's going to be a lot of people who see this, who are deep fans of the original Matrix, who are going to fervently and angrily hate this movie and spend probably the next year or two just tearing it apart. Now, that being said, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to see this film, who are fans of the original film, who are going to be like, yeah, it's okay, I guess. And that's about as far as I think it's going to go. I just don't picture there being anyone going into this and going, wow, that was amazing. It was exactly what I wanted. I don't know who that person would be or understand how they gauge film. One of the biggest problems we didn't even discuss here is like, okay, first off, I'll say Mr. Smith does come back, Mm -hmm. right? But why? There's a whole thing about him and his character and his relationship to Neo that is never explained and they keep talking about it though. <laughs> the very existence of Neo and Trinity in this film and why they're 
there. That's the romance I wanted to see save the day. But it was never explained. <laughs> I'll just say, that like, a, on some level, the computers are responsible for them being alive again. But why? It never says. It just goes, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> There's a lot of that, especially towards the end. It's just rushing from one thing to the next, and a lot of, like, ta-da, look who it is coming to save the day temporarily. But why? I kept doing that all through the third act. But why? The movie doesn't know either, I don't think. I think somebody just lost track with all the exposition, because this is just super messy. And I could forgive in all that if the fights were really cool, but they are not. They're kind of sucky. And I admit, I've got a very high bar for fighting. I watch a lot of martial arts films. I just got done watching the Once Upon a Time in China 1 through 6 collection from Criterion. So I got martial arts on the brain. I'm telling you, these are just not well made, well done, or well shot, or well edited fights. Oh well. I didn't even hate this. Just like Santi said, I just felt so utterly disappointed and kind of let down. I like a lot of the casting, and some of the first act ideas are really smart and kind of funny. But then it just lost me, and by the end, I was just... I, I could have walked out, honestly. I, there's a point I could would have gone, I don't want to see how this is going to end, because now maybe I can imagine it got better. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I avoid drinking any soda so I wouldn't have to pee, and I could have peed. You could have peed. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about could've going peed. anyway. <laughs> Didn't even have to go. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going to give this two and a half out of ten sunglass color switches from green to blue. Because you notice that? And that weird, like, glass one, all the sunglasses are green, and this one, they're all blue. Um, uh, Those sunglasses are hella cute. Yeah. The sunglasses <laughs> are purchasing those. That's the one thing they did well. Actually, my favorite weren't even sunglasses. They were Neil Patrick Harris's blue-rimmed glasses. I was like, those are fucking awesome. I have to say the fashion choices in this film compared to the first film were a vast improvement. One of the only things that improved. Agreed. Well, Everybody looked to... freaking cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, when, when all the captains come in in the Matrix, like, Oh, that blonde dude looks baller as shit. <laughs> I generally agree, but I'll say that some of Morpheus' costumes are pushing it a little bit. <laughs> I <laughs> hear you there. I Morpheus disagree. was loud. <laughs> um, that yellow suit is my life. Uh, it's, it, it's my everything. I'm going to have nightmares about that yellow suit. 